the Instructor Podcast with Terry Cook, talking with leaders, innovators, experts and game changers about what drives them. Welcome to the Instructor Podcast, where every week we talk to leaders, experts, innovators and game changers, looking at ways that we can improve your health, self and wealth. As always, I'm your splendid host, Terry Cook, and I'm delighted to be here. I'm even more delighted that you have chosen to join me, and I'm even more delighted that you've chosen to join me for the last year, because that's what today is. It is an anniversary episode. April the 11th is the date of the first ever episode of the Instructor Podcast. And back on episode one of season one, I was joined by Bob Morton. Now, Bob has joined me again today. And today we've got a very splendid episode because over in my Facebook group, I ask them over there what advice they would give to anyone just joining the industry or what advice they'd received. And we got a lot of responses and some really interesting comments. And that's what we're talking about today. We're going through that advice and we're sort of dissecting it a little bit and we're offering his own advice. And it's a really interesting conversation. But before we dive into the show, I'm just going to take a moment because the episode that was released yesterday, so April the 10th, was with Keith Woody Woodward, uh, who is, uh, we spoke about how he was dealing with his cancer, and we spoke about his Walk for Woody campaign, which is where he's raising money for charity. Now, if you go over to the instructorpodcast.com, you will find uh, a button on the opening page and on the episode page where you can click to donate. But on top of that, what I'm saying is that anyone that signs up to Instructor Podcast Premium in April, the money from that, the £10 sign-up from that, will go straight to Walkford. It will go to that charity. So at the end of April, anyone that signed up, that sign-up fee will go to Walkford. So just to clarify that one more time, if you sign up to Instructor Podcast Premium in April, the £10 that you pay for April will go to walk for Woody. Now, you don't have to stay. You could sign up. You could then cancel again, and that money would still go to walk for Woody, and you could still make use of all the wonderful stuff over there throughout April as well. Just before we dive into the episode, I'm just going to take a moment to remind you that at the end of the show, I am going to give you another one of Terry's tips. So make sure you stick about to the end to listen to one of my amazing tips. And uh, and yeah, thank you for listening to this and hopefully the past year. And if you haven't listened for the past year, go back and check out the back catalogue. But for now, let's dive into the show. So welcome to the Instructor Podcast, and today I am joined by the ever-delightful, and let's go park back again, the fabulous Bob Morton. How are we doing, Bob? Not that ever-delightful. Yeah, my <laughs> missus might give you a different tip on that. <laughs> we'll, we'll get her on sometime. We'll... No, oh my God, that'll be my credibility shredded. <laughs> She'll be like, what, this idiot? <laughs> okay, right, okay, so welcome to Instructor Podcast. We are joined by this idiot, Bob Morton. Good evening. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so uh, we were just speaking beforehand, and I don't think I've actually asked you this question on the show, because every week I speak to leaders, experts, innovators, and game changers, and I'm keen to see which category slash categories you would put yourself into. Leader, innovator, expert, game changer. I support... <laughs> well, when I was director of training at LDC, I suppose leader. Innovator, maybe... I... I like to think I can take things that people see as complex and and explain them in simple terms. Uh, so I suppose that's maybe innovator. 
maybe slightly game changer. I don't know. I don't know. I've just done a bit of a little bit of everything. I don't. I suppose I'm just. I see myself as just a jobbing instructor. <laughs> I've got a bit more experience than a lot of people. And, you know, in my time as, as, as director of training at LDC, I was at LDC 30 years, so I've seen it. I did every just about every job in the company. So I've got a fair amount of experience. So I suppose I, I'll be different things to different people. I'm fairly chameleon-like. It's just like, well, okay, what is it you want help with? And then let's have a little look at that. Uh, for the most part, I'm able to answer pretty much any question. If I can't, then I'll, I'll find someone who can kind of thing. That didn't really answer your question, did it? Well, it kind of did, because we've now got leaders, experts, innovators, game changers, and jobbing instructors. Jobbing instructor. I'm going to have to put a new sign on my little artwork. For, <laughs> for that. Um, 1989, I qualified. Oh, my God. <laughs> well, uh, today we are not celebrating for the day you qualified. It's a very special day today, because uh, we are doing a, a one-year anniversary episode of the Instructor Podcast on the 11th of <sighs> April, 2021. The first Can't episode came out. Yeah. Can't believe it to you. And your good self were kind enough to be the first guest. So before we kind of dive into the episode a little bit and what we've actually come to talk about, I am going to throw a little bit of love your way. Uh, and I'm going to oh. just say initially, um, I really appreciate you coming on to that first episode. Uh, you were the first person I recorded with. You put me at ease. You, uh, you helped promote the show. Um, and you gave up graciously gave up a lot of your time and uh, so on and so forth. And you've been a bit of a uh, a supporter and a champion of the show ever since. So I really appreciate that. So thank you, Bob. Oh, oh it's absolutely my pleasure. I think I think it's a great show. You know, there's yours, the Mick, the Mick Knowles one, and and Dipod who've been around a long time. And I think it's you know more power to you. I remember when you were first talking about it because. We did a chat about your five-minute theory thing. You were saying that you were thinking of doing it. And I, just, I remember at the time, I said, well, do it. Just do it. And I think it's been a breath of fresh air. It's been lovely, really. Well, I've enjoyed it. I've also sure enjoyed it. And another plug, Decapod that goes along with it. You <laughs> mentioned it on one of them, and I thought, I'll have a listen to that. And it's just, it's great. It's just great stuff. Yeah. If you want to see the other side of me, check out Decapod. Um, <laughs> That's for sure. <laughs> Yeah, it was actually you that kept me in the industry uh, uh, back at the end of oh God, 2020. I think it was that long ago. Um, I was considering leaving because I just I kind of fell out in love with it, fell out of love with the job. And I had a conversation with you, and, and you just spoke to me about essentially reminding me of all the things that I enjoyed oh, about you did the job in the first place. Yeah, yeah. and then for me, then it was just setting some goals to how can I get back to this that I actually wanted to do and. Love the job again now. So yeah, a lot of lot of positives from yourself, and appreciate the the kind words. And and I will just mention that if if uh, uh, you mentioned McNulls' podcast, the the did podcast, go and check it out, especially the most recent episode, because I guest host on that episode uh, with uh, with Mick and Lee Jowett talking about their um, uh, their new training program. So yeah, that was that was fun to do. I listened to that yesterday on my way back from the timber place. I've been building some raised beds. Very enjoyable it was too. One of the best things about dropping you a message is that I always get an interesting reply. I, you replied once saying, I'm up a ladder. I asked how you were and your response was, I'm up a ladder. I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> I don't want that text anymore. I don't want to be responsible for this. But anyway, uh, yes, yeah, so today is the anniversary, or when this releases, I should say, it's the anniversary of the podcast. And when I suggested doing this episode to you, you came back with some ideas. Of, of what we could do. Your ideas included going back in time, eating your wedding cake in the most romantic spot, taking a second honeymoon, 
Get glam and have a night around the town. The Ultiman in. Treat yourself and get a set of couples tattoos. Um, I think he found them off Google. Had I been drinking? He was very chatty that day. But we decided to give those a miss. We haven't yet got matching tattoos. And we opted to go for an episode where we spoke about almost a combination of of things we wish we'd been told when we started and also things that we would offer to um, new PDI. So whether that's people coming into the industry or people that have just started or or that kind of stuff. So, and what I did was I asked in my Facebook group, and if you're not a part of that group, uh, go on, you'll find the link in the show notes, or you could check for uh, on Facebook, just search for the Instructor Podcast. It's imaginably titled. I asked him there what people might say. Um, we've got a, a bit of a list of comments, so I thought we could run through some of these to begin with. Yeah, why not? Why not? So I put the question up, as I've just mentioned, and the first comment was from Daniel Hill of My Drive Time. And Daniel said he would make sure they recognise that they would be managing a business, not just instructing people on how to drive. You're nodding along already with that, Bob? Yeah, well, we chatted about this the other day, didn't we? You know, that's your first job when you wake up in the morning is manage your business. And, you know, we it gets lost sometimes, I think, in the uh, in the getting qualified. And it's it's not there's not a lot of it talked about in the glossy brochures. It's it's just, you know, come and come and train with us and earn 14 zillion pounds a year. And then people sign up with driving schools and nothing wrong with driving schools. You know, I used to, I used to be training director for one. Um, but the driving school often manages the, the franchise. And then they eventually get to a point where they want to leave and set up on their own, and they haven't got the skills to manage the business now. Thankfully, the, the, the organization I work for, LDC, we, we, we always made sure that people knew how to run the business. That was part of the induction process, so that we got them to the point where they didn't actually need us. And it, it seems sort of counterintuitive, but you know, the more we do that for people, the more likely they seem to show. But it's, I think that's the key thing. Understand that you're running a business and that you're going to be self-employed, and that occasionally times will get a bit hard you know i mean the last two years have been beyond that but you know nobody could have seen that coming but i spoke to an awful lot of instructors who didn't have any money in the bank and i've spoken to a lot of instructors since they've gone back and they're saying oh it's great rich pickings you know there's money coming out of our ears so well let me tell you the same message make sure you're putting money in the bank <laughs> so in case this happens again because it's entirely possible so it's it's a it, the harsh reality is you're self-employed and the book stops with you so yes, I would I would totally agree. Make sure you understand you're running a business. Yeah, and I'm actually just going to read the the comment underneath that. This was by Les Hopkinson. Uh, it says he loves this. It's definitely something that's needed in instructor training packages, but also people need to think about business branding, business image, marketing, business operations, customer service, um, and all stuff we've spoke about on this podcast before. And I think it's massive. I think that a lot of people come into this industry just thinking you're teaching people to drive they forget the fact that you're running a business which i think is a point dan's making there and and he's absolutely right i mean i know some super talented driving instructors who aren't making as much money as they should be and i know some i call them average driving instructors but who are doing extremely well because they're fantastic at running their business yeah so you've got that every hat that's involved in running a business is worn by the adi um so what would you suggest then? So if there's like a potential PDI, someone that's considering that happens to give this podcast a, a, a listen, what would you suggest to them coming in in terms of 
running your business? Where can they go to develop that? Well, there's well, the instructor podcast is a great place. Some of the, the non-ADIs that you've had on have given some fantastic advice on running businesses. And there's tons of information out there. Google is your friend in this regard, you know. And another place which is fantastic as a resource for learning how to manage your own business is the HMRC website. Go to gov.uk and type in self-assessment. There's a heap of stuff in there. Talk to other driving instructors. You know, I'm thinking of doing it. What do you reckon? Um, if you're thinking of spending money with a training organisation, say, can I talk to somebody that you've trained? You know, that, and that's whether they're a national organisation or whether they're a local guy training. Can I speak to somebody you've trained before? You know, if they're not happy to let you speak to their people, you've got to ask yourself, well, why is that? What's that all about? We also have to be mindful as well, of course, if you're, you know, if you're in a particular town and you're speaking to an instructor who's from that town, they're probably going to tell you it's rubbish. So you might want to approach them and say, I'm thinking of setting up as a self-employed hairdresser. What's self-employment like? So, you know, I'm thinking of opening a florist shop. Where do you advertise for your business? Because if you tell them you're going to be an ADI, they might not give you the help that they maybe otherwise would. Yeah. I think that's interesting. I think, again, speaking of different professions in, in, just as a, a slightly offbeat example, I had someone that contacted me a couple of days ago asking about they want to start a podcast and they're asking for my sort of advice on that. And in their brain, all they've got to do is hit record and the podcast is out. And I'm like, right, okay, but <laughs> where are you going to dispute it to? How are you going to get people to listen? How do you keep, you know, all this stuff? And it's a similar thing for, for the driving schools. And I, I, how many how many hours a week do you reckon that the podcast takes you to put together? It's 30 a month. I've worked out roughly 30 hours a month, yeah. It's a lot of time. It's it a is a lot of time. time, but that's because I, how can I do this without sounding arsy? I can't. It's because I do a professional job. Um, yeah. I don't half heart it. It's something I, I want to do really well. Um, you know, you look at the the recording of the episode, like this will probably be about an hour most from our, but we'll have a chat before and we'll have a chat after. There's, yeah. there's research involved, there's doing the cover art. And again, a lot of this stuff isn't necessary, but it's me doing the best job I can. So there's there's doing the cover art, there's doing the show notes, there's promoting it, um, there's interacting with the guests, there's following up with the guests for all the stuff that they can then use to promote it. For me as well, there's obviously the website. I'm going on a massive, you know, plug here, but there's the website I do and all this other stuff. So um, you can do a podcast for a weekly podcast for about two hours a week, but it's yeah. uh, not going to be the best thing in the world. But it's the same approach for driving school. If you want to be the best, you've got to put the time and effort. Time in. That's right. And, you know, I often talk to people who are thinking of setting up. I say, well, it isn't just about getting qualified and then, you know, putting an advert in the paper. You've got to think way beforehand. You know, how many hours a week do you want to work? You know, what do you, you've got to sit down with a piece of paper and write down, what do you want from the job? X number of pounds a year. These are the days I want to work. These are the days I don't want to work. This is the sort of car I want to have. I want a brand new car every year. Or, oh, I'm only going to change a car. You must have a list. This is what I want. This is how many weeks holiday I want. This is how much money I want to earn. You then have to realize that you're going to massively compromise on all of that because you have no right to that work. You know, it's no good saying that, you know, the first person who phones you, well, you can bugger off because I don't do Sundays. They're going to go, well, all right, I'll find somebody who does. And I, I talk to people, so, oh, I don't do Facebook. Well, no, you didn't do Facebook. You want to be a driver, so you're going to have to do Facebook because <laughs> that's where your customers are. So you have to be where your customers are. If your customers move to TikTok, you're probably going to have to move to that. If your customers go to Instagram, so you've got to, you've got to put all that work in. So you've got to know what you want. And then review that list every once in a while, because how do you know whether you've made it or not? 
And I know yeah. a lot of people who just drift into it and they develop a working pattern that isn't really what they want. They're not earning the sort of money they want. They're not getting the kind of holidays they want. They're not changing their car as regularly as they want because there's no plan. You must have a plan. You must then realise that, that plans are not going to work. So you're going to have to modify the plan. And you're probably going to have to reset some of your goals. So in your early days, it's 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 difficult. It's easy at the minute because there's massive demand. Yeah. But if you're launching as a driving instructor now, and I'm saying this to all the newbies, it's easy peasy at the minute. Come the next recession, not quite so easy. So, One so of, keep following the instructor podcast for the advice that you can get for free. Yeah. I, I would concur with that. Um, one of the things I spoke about on my premium channel uh, a few days ago was time blocking. Um, so you look at your diary for the week and you block off the time that you're not working. So maybe like for me, I generally I don't work Fridays. So that's blocked off as as podcasting time. Generally, I don't work Thursday evenings. That's blocked off as what I call Terry time. You know, do what I want during that time. And, the, the, you know, there's times blocked off for exercise. There's time blocked off for admin. There's time blocks off when I need to put in an appearance with a wife and that kind of stuff. So then when you step back and look at it, how much time have you actually got left to work? Mm. So That's all right. these people that say, oh, you can work, you know, you can earn 40 grand a year and work what hours you want. Well, those things are quite true. You can make 40 grand a year or you, you can, can work whatever hours you want. Generally, right. the two don't quite carry up. <laughs> There's a little phrase that I used to use during the induction training at LDC, and I used to say to people, you know, you've got to, you've got to realize that there's only so much of your list you can have. So you, what you're going to do is you call a family meeting and you say to them, you can have 40 grand a year and never see me, or you can have 25 grand a year and see me all the time. If the family chooses the 40 grand, you're living in the wrong house. <laughs> so, you know, it's, it's, and you need the family on site as well. So, you need to talk to them. They've got to be fully on board with it because they're going to be answering the phone. They're not there. You know, the, 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 the stroppy teenagers that are at home need a reason for answering the phone properly and not picking up what? You know, is, the, is that the driving school? Yeah. Is the instructor there? No. When do you expect them? Out? I don't know. So, they, we can't have that. So you have to incentivize the phone call stuff. If this person books in my dairy, you get a tenner. Oh, on, no. teenagers are going to do bugger all for a tenner these days. It's probably going to cost you 20 quid. But that's a cheap way to generate new work. So everybody has to be on board. So it really does need to be a well-thought-out strategy. And you're going to have to compromise on some of the plans that you make. Because yeah. that's just how it is. Because you're self-employed. You're not just turning up, clocking in, clocking off, going home and having the right money at the end of the week. It's not how it works. Well, Someone asked me recently how I have time to do the sort of 30 hours of lessons, the the instructor podcast, the five minute theory podcast, driving test sales podcast, Decapod podcast, how I have time to then write the, the Good Motoring magazine and do the website and the blogs and all this kind of stuff. And, and watch Julia Roberts movies. And watch Julia Roberts films on repeat too often. Um, <laughs> and- <laughs> the Decapod reference there for those of you who are not listening to it yet. Really trying hard to carry on without laughing, and I couldn't do it. <laughs> um, but yeah, so sort of how I have time to do that, and in a weird way, I'm almost lucky. I've mentioned this a couple of times on the show previously. My wife has multiple cirrhosis, which means that she can't do a lot a lot of the time. You know, often she'll be in bed most of the day, and then she'll be in bed most of the evening. So. I'm not demanded as a family member. It's like you, Joe, there saying, you know, I can never be in. Well, I'm almost that person. So I have all this time where I can do whatever I want. So I'm almost privileged in that way, obviously for a bad reason. 
Yes, but I, yes. I've got this this free time, and that's that's where I use it. But life, life's giving you lemons; you make lemonade. So it's and, and it is really working out. What is it you want from it? You know, what do you need from it? And it isn't just about money, and it isn't just about new cars. It's about the down. It's about the you time and making sure that you're charging your batteries. And and something that I never considered, and it never was part of LDC's induction package at the beginning, but certainly was towards the end. Your own mental health and well-being. Mm. You know, I know it's been rammed down our throats at the minute, but it's COVID has shown us how important that is. How important that is. I've spoken to so many instructors that were just at the, at the end of their tenor, they were just they were going to give up. It's not much the same as the conversation I had with you. I've just lost my mojo. Is a phrase I've heard a thousand times. I said, "Well, all right, then let's let's take your mind back to when you first started. What what did the job bring you then? Okay, so that's what you want from the job. And quite often, people would change their mind about what they wanted from the job. Different priorities. Oh, I want more time off now. Okay." So, but you still want to earn X number of pounds. So what's the, you know, we develop a strategy where they can maybe earn more money for the time that they are working. Start thinking about what it is that you're doing. Maybe change the type of training you do. Maybe become a trainer. You know, so it's, it's really about deciding what's important. Because um, you're dead a long time. A long, long time. <laughs> and this is, you only get one go at this. It's not a, it's not a rehearsal. I'll see if I can work in some more cliches. <laughs> but it, it's, it's important that it's focused upon. And that that's a... Whoever's in your inner circle, the people that are going to be part of your life, that are close to you, has to be part of that decision-making process. Yeah. And and you touched on mental health there. So even when we're talking about running a business, you, you are the business, you are the owner of your business. You are head but, of HR. Yeah. <laughs> and, but if you're not in a fit state to run it, then, then you're screwed as well. So it's doing what's right for you. And, and for me, for example, I tend to i hate just working in the same area over and over again so i've got quite a, a big area that i cover and every now and again i'll just go and someone will inquire from a new area that i don't generally cover like yeah i'm gonna go do it and i won't take anyone else there and it's, it'll be out of my way but it keeps me keeps me engaged it keeps me more alert and more enjoying of the job because all of a sudden i'm going to an area that i don't know very well and it keeps me on my toes and i love just doing those different things that's an interesting point that you raise there because it's probably worthwhile talking to your ADI mates and saying, yeah, what do you do for downtime? What do you do to recharge your batteries? Talk to your friends. You might find something new that you think, oh. Now, again, it's it's become more important to me as I'm sort of semi-retired now. Um, you know, I have to step down as, as director of training at LDC and I just do my own stuff sort of part-time now. And I'm filling my life with stuff that brings me joy. And if it doesn't bring me joy, it doesn't get in my life. It's that simple. Um, and anything that's given me a little bit of a rough time, because stuff does, um, you think, well, as long as there's 51% of the time I'm enjoying it, then I'll still be at it. But as soon as we tip over that balance and it gets to 49%, then it's been gone. And also projects that I do, you know, I'm careful there about what I take on because I only want to do things that I enjoy because it's just important to me now. I've realized how important it was. I went through a phase where I had to be Mr. Positivity at LDC. And I, you know, I gladly took that role on. Uh, to, to, to take us through COVID, but boy, it sapped my energy. and it, it, I felt old at the end of that. Um, and it made me decide that, yeah, I, I need a bit more time for me now. Yeah. Um, so, and so time. I mean, I was 65 anyway. It's, you know, I'll never retire, retire, but it's, it's, it's just about thinking what's important. And you can only do that if you constantly review. Is what I'm doing working? Is it working for the business? Is it working for me? Is it working for the family? And we have to have balance. That's with everything in life. So if there's, there's two thirds of that work and the other one isn't, mm, that's yeah. not good, really. 
I mean, my one with that was, as I said, I don't generally work Fridays. So, but I realized I was never relaxing properly on a Friday because I always knew I had work the next day. Yeah, yeah. So that's where I made sure that I wasn't working sort of beyond lunchtime on a Thursday because yeah. now I can relax Thursday afternoons because I know I've got the day off the next day. So it's just playing around sometimes and finding what works for you. That's interesting. But let's assume that somebody can only take, you know, that, that one day off. Maybe you're better off having Friday afternoon and Saturday morning off. So you can have a late night on Friday night if you want to go out with your mates for a couple of days. So it's it's really thinking about, you know, what do I need? What tops it? A higher synth for your soul is what you need <laughs> at downtime. Something that brightens your day, something that makes you feel especially good. Whatever that is, whether it's, you know, walking a dog, throwing a boomerang, riding a motorbike, painting workshops, building greenhouses, whatever, whatever it is, whatever floats your boat. You need to make sure that you've got time to do it. Yeah. Um, do you think there's anything else we need to touch? I mean, we could probably talk a lot longer, but do you think there's anything else we need to touch on there in terms of managing your business and that being a, a key point in coming in and starting your, starting new? Well, I think it's, it's back to the thing. You know, we talk about mental health now. Men talk about mental health. And women have always done it. They've always, they're much better at it than we are. You know, you know, a woman will say to another one, oh, how are you? So I'm all right now, but how are you within yourself? You say that to a bloke, you know, 10 years ago, you got punched in the face. <laughs> None of your damn business. Now we're starting to talk to each other about, yeah, but are you really happy? Are you, I mean, properly, are you properly, properly happy? Oh. So, you know, we're having those kind of conversations more. And I think you need to have that conversation with yourself first. You know, is this, is this what I want? Is this really what I want? You know, so it's, oh, tell me what I want. What? No, never mind. <laughs> Let's not go there. Yeah. <laughs> so I think it is it is important. And I think that thread runs through everything. You know, are you are you achieving what you want from what you're doing? And you can't always, but you know, and it's okay if you're not at the minute, as long as you've got a plan to make it happen later. Yeah. I think that's key. That that's massive, you know, the, having somewhat to work towards. You know, we you know, there's a we spoke about this recently, a lot of people are still struggling financially. Yeah. But if you can pinpoint a time where you can increase your day off from one day a week to two, or you can pinpoint a time where you can afford to take a full week off, then you've got that to look forward to, and that's your motivation. Um, but I think everything we've spoken about here doesn't just apply to anyone coming into the industry. It applies to everyone currently in the industry. You know, you anything we've spoken about there, you can just change your approach. And for me, again, something I speak about a lot in my premium channel, I do something called Alternative Roots, where I just throw different ideas out on different ways you can take your business and all it is. Mm -hmm. It's about doing what's right for you. So if you're someone that enjoys working evenings, well, have mornings off and work evenings. As yeah. you said, you know, it might be beneficial mm -hmm. for you to do Friday evening, Saturday morning off. And there will be instructors out there that will snipe at that. But it doesn't matter because it's what works for you. And I think that's the big thing. Well, it's challenging the the perceived norm or this, even, even challenging the status quo. Just because this is the way you've done it for 10 years, is that the way you need to do it for the next 10 years? Or would you like something different from it? What And if it is something different, what would that different be? If you, you know, It's sometimes nice to write a little, which if I could have anything in the world from this business, what would it be? And you write down and, say, and then reasons that you could, reasons that you couldn't. Put it, put together a new plan. Try it. If it doesn't work, doesn't matter. You know, take the Thomas Edison approach. I've just found another way that hasn't worked yet. I'll try something different. So it's 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 worthwhile sitting down and and reviewing your list all the time. I, I do it much more regularly now. Is this what I want? Is this really what I want? 
I'm, I'm in that very, very fortunate position too that I, that I have a, a partner who's whose only aim in life, it seems, is to is to ensure that I'm happy. I don't think I've had that before. Yeah, <laughs> it's just <laughs> it's it's a, a unique experience for me. I presume you're not talking about me, though. <laughs> of course, I am, yeah. <laughs> I'm in Chris Benstead. <laughs> no, you don't mention Chris on the show, and he's not on it. I'm sick of him getting names dropped. <laughs> um, all right, so let's move on to the next point then, because um, I think this is an interesting one by Ellie Ward. Now, I'm not going to read all of this comment because I don't specifically want to mention some of the companies oh, that well, he's mentioned. He- he was on the thing I did the other night. I did a, did a Zoom thing the other night. He was there. There you go. Um, we're all a community. But if you want to read Ellis's full comment, you feel free to go and check it in the group. But he says, uh, I wish I'd been given better advice about choosing a big national trainer compared to a local independent one. Also, better questions to ask trainers before deciding who to go with and not being swayed by the audit registry. Ooh, now then. No, then there's a weirdy one. Um, being swayed by the audit registry. The audit register is a bit like the ADI register. There's excellent and there's not so excellent. Um, I'm not going to say good and bad, but I think it, I'll take you back to what I said originally. Ask to speak to somebody they've trained to. What's their experience? They've, they've, trained, to, they've, they've trained in the past. What's their experience of them? Just because somebody carries the audit kite mark, it means they were good on the day of the assessment. It's a bit like the MOT, a bit like ADIs. Just because you turned out an A on your standards check doesn't mean you like that all the time. So it's important to do your research. Buyer beware, I would say. I always used to say to anybody that was thinking of coming on board with LDC, there's 500 instructors on the internet, ask any of them what they think of us. So we were always open about it. If you get negative feedback, come and talk to me. And I would I would do the same. Anybody who's thinking of training with me, Anything I do, you know, the ebooks I've got on all my membership stuff, all the training I do, if somebody's not happy with it, just, just get your money back. That's it. There's no questions asked. And that way it keeps me in check. But, you know, trainers can get into bad habits just like ADIs can because their life is quite, you know, lonely too. So, you know, it might be a temporary thing. But just because something's a national company doesn't make it bad. And just because they're small, local and independent doesn't make it good. So do your research, and I mean proper research. Don't just ask one or two people, well, yeah, we're smashing. And don't just take, you know, for, for, for granted the, the two or three names that they've given you because it could be their friends. Yeah. It might not even be any eyes, it might be people that drink <laughs> on the club. So just be careful. I, th- I think it, it is important to do your research properly. There's all, in the glossy brochures, everybody looks the same. And unfortunately, there's a lot of guarantees being offered that aren't what they seem, you know, Train with us. If after a year, you know, with our franchise, you haven't made this amount of money, we'll give you a training fee back. Well, you realise that you're paying them thousands in franchise fees and they're only going to give you the two grand back that you paid for training. So that's not really worth the paper it's written on. So it's just be really careful. And there's some guarantees out there that are cast iron and very good. So just buy everywhere. Do your research. Ask around. The, the, The internet is a great place now, but, you know, red get a bad press, but there's lots of people who train with red who've had a, a great experience. So sometimes it's down to regional or local trainers, that, that sort of stuff. You know, a trainer can go rogue for a little while before a company might find out about it. Yeah. it's. I mean, this isn't my my forte, but I can talk about my experience because you mentioned Red there. Um, I trained with Red. I had no problems with Red. Do I think they were perfect? No. 
but I doubt any driving school is. Um, I think that they did invest a bit of time into sort of showing you the business side of it. I think that the problem with that was, and I think I mentioned this when I left, was that they do it once when you start, but then there's nothing followed up. So if you were to stay with them for 10 years, you'd have lost sort of all that training almost. And I think one of the problems that does occur sometimes, and that I felt read, and I think this is, 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 is broader than that, is how flippant as instructors we can be about stuff. And the example I use was um, the you go on the pink license, you get your six months. I was kind of told that if that six months expires, oh, just apply for a new one, you get a new one, no problem. I'll never actually explain to me that, yeah, you might not. You need mm. to have a valid reason not to. Yeah. And then all of a sudden when I realised that, it's like, oh, crap, this is serious. What if I don't get it renewed? You know, And that was quite scary. But I think I just massively second what, what you've said. You, you're always going to find someone who's not going to like that company or that business. You could probably find more than someone. Pretty sure you troll in that. You'll find a lot of people that dislike me. And that's fine. But you will find people that do. And I think that if you listen to the people that dislike a certain company, you will find out the negatives about that company. And then you listen to the people that have the positives, you'll find out the positives, and you can weigh up what's best for you. Just taking a slight pause in the show, first of all, to do something that I've completely forgotten to do this season, and that's give a shout out to all my new patrons, the people that have signed up to the Instructor Podcast Premium. So, big shout out and thank you to Joe Reedy, Sarah Hall, Jessica Hargraves, Ewan Williams, and Luke Scott. Thank you all for becoming patrons of the Instructor Podcast. I really appreciate it. Now, all these guys have signed up to Instructor Podcast Premium, and they're getting all the benefits over there. Those benefits include things like all the additional content over there. So the standard check- checklist episodes we do, the episodes we do around coaching, the episodes we do around mental health, all that awesome stuff. Plus, you also get the shows early and ad-free. And as well as that, you also get discounts on things like today's guest, Bob Morton. You get £10 discount off his client-centered learning course. As well as that, you get a 16% discount on Go Roadie. But above all that, you get my gratitude because what you're doing is you're helping me run the show. A lot of time and effort goes into it. It will always be free. The podcast itself will always be free. But by choosing to subscribe, whether you donate £2 or whether you donate £10, you help the running costs of this show. And it's really appreciated. But you do get all that awesome extra content as well. The last thing I'm going to mention is just a little reminder that if you sign up in April, your initial £10 sign-up fee will go to Walk With Woody, the charity Walk With Woody. So sign up in April. Not only do you get all the excellent content that I produce, not only do you get everything early and ad-free, but your £10 sign-up will go to Walk With Woody. But for now, let's get back to the show. Well, I always say the new instructors, or, you know, during that, or I used to say during their induction training, the good done by 100 satisfied customers is undone by one dissatisfied customer, because that one dissatisfied customer is going to make a disproportionate amount of noise. So bear that in mind too. But it's research. You know, if you're asked to sign contracts, don't sign contracts without checking them properly. Read the thing. We, we, we have a dreadful habit, human beings. You know, we, we tick the box that says, I have read and understand the terms and conditions, and we haven't read and understood the terms and conditions. 
So I always used to like, again, at LDC, we'd say, well, let's have a go what you're signing up for here. What does that mean? And we'd go through it and then say, right, you know, if you're still happy to sign that, then we'll continue your induction training. If you're not, we'll give you money back and off you go. Exactly. So it's, it's really important. Take it to somebody who knows about contracts. Make sure you've got a friendly solicitor. Get them to have a look at it. Are you tying yourself in for a long time? Are there restrictive practices in there? For example, you know, if you leave the franchise, can you work in the area that you're in? Are you signing up to not? Now, there's less and less of that. Um, but there's one or two companies that are noted for, you know, being very litigious and nailing instructors to the mast when they try and leave. No names, no pack drills. Um, but it's 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 important that you understand that. You know, and again, if you're thinking of using the training license, it's not a six-month contract that you're signing or a 12-month one. Because if you sign a 12-month one and your training license runs out and you can't get another one, because the you know you can't get ex- you can't get extensions to training license. By the way, uh, they're, they're not they're not allowed. You can apply for another one, and they'll refuse, and you go on appeal. But that's not an extension to the first one. So it's important to understand what it is you're signing up for, what your options are, what are you going to do if that doesn't happen? You know, taught in your training school. What if I fail me? me you know, what if I've had me forty hours of training, and I fail me, me me part three? What happens then? If I fail the next one, what happens then? What if I fail the third one? What happens then? You know, and it's again, a, a, a decent company will let you come around again. We always used to do that at LDC. We've got peer exam fees again, but, you know, we're there waiting for you when you come, oh, sorry, they are there waiting for you when you come back around. So really ask some probing questions and, and any reputable company should be happy to answer any questions that you've got. Yeah, I'm glad you clarified that, actually, because I think I said it were an extension, so I'm glad you clarified that. But, yeah. Well, they I, used to give extensions, but then stopped some years ago, a long, long time ago, probably before you were born. Yeah. <laughs> when I was first qualified. Yeah. Um, yeah, but I do want to second that about the contracts as well, because, you know, my opinion massively is if you sign up to a contract and part of that contract is you need to give a six-month notice period, you cannot then complain if you've got to give a six-month notice period. You've agreed to that. So, yeah, make sure you read it. And, and if you're not happy with it, then either ask them if there's a way they can adapt it, and if they can't, then go somewhere else. The same way we are students. You take a student on, and that person isn't willing to adhere to your 48-hour cancellation policy. Well, guess what? That student goes somewhere else. So it's, you know, it's a contract is a contract. And, you know, with some of the training companies, if you try and get out of the thing, when they take you to court, the judge is just going to go, well, you signed the contract. Did you not read it? It doesn't matter how unjust you feel it is or how unjust the world thinks it is. From a legal point of view, what you say in the comment here. So be sure you know what you're saying. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, yeah, that was Ellis. Uh, Only before you part with any money. Yes. Uh, Always before you part with money. Um, So I I like this one. This one is is a bit more me, actually, uh, which is from Hayden Jenkins, who says, if you can find a niche that could be fleet, advanced, off-road, disability, SEN, something that no one else provides in our area, sometimes it's better to be a bigger fish, bigger fish, a bigger fish in a small pond. Yeah, that's, that's good advice, Hayden. And obviously him specialises in, in disability training and, and SEN and stuff. So it's, it's, yeah, I think it's, I would take the same line as the police force used to do. Get your, get your basic training done first, get some experience, then specialise. Don't specialise from the word go because you're limiting your experience there. 
I would certainly get a couple of years under my belt. Maybe dipping your toes in there and that, but but learn to be a good instructor first or a good coach or whatever you know label you want to put on it. Learn, learn your basics first and then think about specialising. Or learn your basics and while you're doing that, work closely. So if you're thinking of you know doing disability stuff, Hayden's a great guy to have a chat to. You know, and they have their own Facebook group as well, I'm pretty sure, uh, for teaching people with disabilities and, and, and special needs. So, you know, speak to experts in the field. Yeah, and I, I would agree with that. And I think that, that my niche, I've spoken about it on here before, is working with people with sort of anxiety and, and the sort of nerves, the panic attacks, that side of it. And that was just something I fell into. It wasn't a, an intention. And it goes back to one student who wrote me an amazing review Bladded it all over, and then everyone else saw it and kind of clamored towards that. And you know, I think I've got like 25, 26 students on the book at the minute, three of them are male, and the other 23 are, you know, generally those sort of students, the ones that are fearful of driving, the ones that are, are panicking over, over the slightest thing. And uh, well, somebody who has those issues that sees a review from somebody who has the same issues thinks that's the guy for me, that's the guy for me. Um, yeah. So you sort of specialise, like you say, almost by accident. Yeah. And initially, there was no training on my part with that. A lot of it was just listening to the pupil. And it, it yeah. wasn't intentional yeah. coaching. It, it wasn't. I'd never, for years, I was coaching without realising I was coaching. It was, okay, what can I do to make you more comfortable in this situation? What would you do in this situation? Well, a lot of that is just driven by the fact that you're always trying to get better at what you do. So you're always saying, is what I'm doing working for you? So you're asking that question, yeah. which is really, you know, that's a coaching conversation. That, that's you structuring how you're going to work. You know, was the agreed lesson structure appropriate? <laughs> that's, that's what that's about. Um, and that's why, you know, the new the new part three in the status check is actually measuring that now. Is what you're doing, it, not only good instruction or coaching that keeps the world safe, but are you able to match it? Are you making the lesson fit the learner rather than making the learner fit the lesson? Because on the old check test, didn't matter. As long yeah. as you regurgitated the right stuff and then fixed all the faults, you were okay. Well, again, that's something I do. And I don't know if this came from you or whether I did it anyway, because there was a lot of stuff I did without realizing I was doing it before I started investing in myself a little bit more. And one of them was a lot of the time at the end of the lesson, I'll say, could I have done anything better for you today? What could I have done to help you more? But the big thing is coming towards a test, the, the lesson before the test, I will make sure that end of lesson, can I grab a few minutes of your time, right? What could I have done better for you throughout this driving? Please be as honest as you see fit. I won't take offense. I've always been honest with you. Now it's your turn to be honest with me. And most of the time, the students like, oh, no, you were fine, whatever. Now and again, you'll get some that just lavish you with praise. But every now and again, someone will give you a little insight that you'd not thought about. And the best one was a lad recently who said to me, I think sometimes you could have been a bit more of a dick to me. <laughs> that was my reaction. And he's like, <laughs> you were just a bit nice sometimes. Sometimes I do just need my ass kicking. And I'm like, okay, I'll take that well, on board. It's interesting because the, the, all the, the last learners that I did, you know, we always did a, a little coaching contract at the start. So what do you want from me? What do I want from you? Let's let's investigate that a little bit. So what do you want from me? And they always go, well, I don't know, we'll learn to drive. All right, then okay. Is it okay if I shout at you during that one? No, 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 no. Okay. But it, would it be okay if I made you feel really bad? Well, no. Well, okay, write that down. No shouting. No no berating and making you feel bad. And then we'd go through it. Well, everything else. How do you normally learn? 
how did you learn best? What, what other things have you learned? You know, how did that work? And then my request from them was just to, to always try your best. And, you know, that was it. Apply yourself, do your best at all times. That's all I want from you. If you're happy to do that, I'm happy to give you what's on your list. And then occasionally, of course, we'd revisit the list. Is this still working? You've got anything you want to add? And the one that came to me from, I think it was Claire from her lesson, she said, you know, I would have not said anything, but scenes you've asked, you'd be, oh. She said, you know what? I'm having my first attempt at something. Yeah. I said, yeah, sure. could you just shut up? <laughs> just be quiet. And she said, yeah, jibber jabber is doing me head in. Jib, jibber jabber. <laughs> People pay good money for this. She went, yeah, you're doing me, you're doing me nothing. Just, just shut up. Oh, okay. <laughs> I thought, all right, and smarty pants, the next time you try something new, I'll just let you go on your own. And she nailed it. I thought, oh, I've actually been getting in the way. And that How was a good is it? moment for me, for me, you know. Yeah. How good is it when you get that from from your student or from someone else, something you can actually <laughs> take away from? Well, to, for a moment, it's a kick in the nuts, yeah. isn't it? <laughs> yeah. It's like, oh, 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 my pride. Oh. But, you know, you learn you learn more about that about yourself from that kind of an interaction than, than, than anything else, you know? So it's, it's important to ask the question yeah. and be prepared. You know, you might get the odd one. That is a bit of a pillock and just, you know, <laughs> you think, all right, okay, we'll take that with a pinch of salt. Don't be rude back. There's, you know, <laughs> but yeah, before you can be really good at anything, you've got to know yourself. And sometimes to really know yourself, you need feedback from others, you know, just cause you view yourself that way. Is that how others view you? Maybe not. Uh, no, I, I think that, like you said, long-term having a niche is is a brilliant thing, especially if it's, well, maybe not especially, only if it's a niche you enjoy working in. Don't go and dive into yeah. something you dislike. Yeah, um, hopefully your dairy will work that you find hard. Yeah. I mean, for me, I the last that I taught today, um, there was a moment when she, she just, pulled off from side at road by yourself. And when we pulled up, I went, do you do that by yourself? It's just massive grin on my face. And like to me, that's the, the best result. And that's not taken away from anything else. But when you get someone that isn't scared of that and just does it, no problem, it's not quite as rewarding. And I like that feeling. I think, you know, it's, it's something that we're guilty of in the industry. Um, we don't think things can happen unless we do it. How somebody's supposed to learn to do it. It's a question when I'm talking to people about coaching. I say, just let them do it. Well, how are they supposed to know how to do it if I haven't taught them? You know, they've managed to get through life up to this point without your help. You know, they're 17. They're not dead. They haven't been killed crossing the road, so they know how cars work. They know how pedestrian crossings work. That's it. So they've got a great deal of knowledge. They've watched people drive. Don't assume they're an empty vessel. And if they can do things without your help, a lot of that is because you have created the right environment for that to be able to be happening. So it's... You know, it's, we, we feel scared as an industry about giving pupils this level of control because it devalues our role, we think, when the reality is it doesn't. Yeah. That's, that's, that's too weighty a topic for just one second. <laughs> well, I am running through these comments in order, but I'm going to skip a couple because I want to jump into one that kind of ties into what we're just talking about, which uh, this one is by Tony Lane who says, uh, do your market research, what uh, what do your prospective competitors do, what is going to make you stand out? Why should your blogs come to you rather than your competitors? And I love that. That's I really good. do. Very good, yeah. 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 
my tagline on all my adverts, when, when newspaper advertising used to work and yellow pages used to work, I would just, my, my tagline was, not all driving instructors are the same, ring for details. And I, I'd just talk to them about, well, you know, what is it you feel you need from it? Um, and it was, it was always, I always based it on, it'll be fun, you'll be relaxed during lessons, uh, and there's never anything to be fearful of. So I think it's, it's doing your research, and that's a great point, Tony, well, well, well made. And, you know, do your research, but just because the others are doing X, Y, Z, doesn't mean you've got to. It also doesn't mean that you've got to do something different. I mean, you know, so it's, the reality is if you want to open a green grocer's, the best place to open it is next door to one of their green grocers because it's an established market. But again, get yourself established and then and then think about what you might do different. But can you offer extra value? For example, you know, in your advertising, if you're a scout leader, a teacher, ex-cop, ex-service person, maybe you want to push that angle. So you're drawing people towards you, you know, people people will go with ex-service people because, they, you know, they feel grateful for the service that those people have given. People feel safe with, with ex-coppers. Uh, although recent events there in London, maybe they spoiled that a little bit, but it's, well, not recent, but you know what I mean, the, the, the Sarah Everett stuff. So maybe people don't trust the police as much as they used to, but anything that can make you stand apart from the crowd, what is it about you? You know, for example, here, me, if I was still teaching learners, I've moved to Preston, I'm not from here. And I would say, I've moved here to work because when visiting here, I just fell in love with the people. So, you know, whether that's true or not, <laughs> doesn't matter um or you know i've lived here a long time so i'm well established i know this area you know i've got I'm, i feel a kindred kindred spirit with all the people who live inside any tagline that you can you've got to look at it and think well if you were the buyer what would you be doing maybe if you if you've got relatives or, or offspring that are coming up to that age why do they buy stuff start doing your research do do polls among all your relatives and friends why did you buy it what made you go there rather than there if you were looking and get the, oh, I was going to say get the yellow pages hardly exists anymore, but get them to look at online advertising. What do you like? What do you not like? What is it about that that you liked? What is it about that that you didn't like? You know, start downloading people's adverts and showing them to your 16 and 17 year old relatives and friends. Which one would you buy? Why? What is it that draws you to that? And so you're, you're current with what, what works and you, you need to know what your competition are doing. Now, that doesn't mean you've got to replicate it, but if you know, you're in an area, let's say we go through another recession, you're in an area where we're back in the five lessons for 25 quid game. Sometimes a new business owner's automatic reaction is to do the same. Well, no. Um, you know, it's there's a it used to be an advert up in the northeast on on um on uh, T's FM, I think it was. Um it was Frank from Frank's Factory Flooring. And he had a little tin shack on Port Track Lane in Stockton. I was driving home from band one night and the advert came on. He said, hi, I'm Frank from Frank's Factory Flooring. He said, I had a couple in my shop the other day. I said, hey, Frank, where's the cheap carpets? And he said, I said to them, you can turn around and you can get yourself back out here. There's no bloody cheap carpets in here. All I've got is good quality merchandise at good value prices. There was a pause and he went, I love carpets, me. And I thought, what the hell was that? And of course, there's a buzzer and people are saying, did you hear that advert? Did you hear that Frank's fact? What was all that about? And he had a whole series of adverts. He's now got 13 carpet warehouses because he was doing something different. But it drew people to him because he was emphasizing the quality end of things. And people often worry when they're brand new. Oh, just, you know, what if I'm asked? Well, how long have you been doing it? I'll just be honest. I say, I come to you, freshly qualified, kitted out with the latest in training and teaching techniques for the modern world. 
I'll make the lessons geared around you. See, there's always an angle you can play. So it, it is do your research, find out what's going on, find out things that work. And whenever you're trying something, only change one thing. Because if you change a ton of things, you can't tell which one made the difference. So change one, of, one thing at a time, measure it, evaluate. Am I doing that again? Yes or no? Try the next thing, the next thing, the next thing. And and this stuff don't have to cost anything either. You know, it can be just little subtle change. I mean, one that I think I told this story way back in season one of this this show. Um, that I can remember years ago, I'd seen a, another instructor post something about if you do a, a one hour lesson with us, we will drive in fifty eight minutes. We will not be sat at the side of the road talking, yeah. and it got a lot of response. But that I didn't like it, so I did my own version, which is we'll drive as much as you want to essentially. And if that means that we're driving for two minutes and pulled over 58, we'll do that. And that was one of my most well-received at the time, Facebook posts. And it's just that. And now I'm not saying the other guys are wrong. No, my opinion, they are, but whatever. Um, but, <laughs> your opinion, your intent. Yeah. That, that is making them stand out because the people that want to drive for 58 minutes of a, two, of a one hour lesson will go to them. And the people that want more of a, a coaching environment or, or don't want to be pressured to drive 58 minutes of one hour lesson will come to me. So it's just that subtle change and, and putting your stamp, almost stamping your authority of, this is what I stand for. This is how yeah, I teach. This is what I do. And that's going to draw people in. And it will. And word, word spreads quickly. And it's, it's like you know the little coaching contract I talked about. If you're constantly reviewing, and they'll tell their friends, oh, and I'm like, I let me do this and do it. Oh, really? Ooh, that's interesting. Yeah. The guy I've got just shouts at me all the time. We're also drawn sometimes to being very negative in our advertising. And I think that's a big mistake. Because if yeah. you start flinging, flinging muck around, some of it lands on you. Yeah. Um, the other two I'm going to mention, and these are things I do, and this isn't saying they're right for everyone again, but just as examples of how you can do something that's that doesn't cost anything but can actually attract people. One of the things I get a lot of compliments for is when someone's parents messaging me and they'll often say, we're going to come to you because you're being the most helpful. Hmm. And, and what it transpires, and this is through what people's parents have told me and through what I've seen, screenshots I've seen on Facebook and stuff, is that someone's parents will inquire and the instructor's just really dismissive because it's a parent or because they've got certain demands I mean, imagine having demands that you want your own children to be looked after. It's ridiculous. Well, and, and, and then you sort of say, well, it's not like it was when you passed your test, you know. <laughs> you're making unreasonable demands yet. Yeah. It's like, you know, people people phone up and say, how much is it? What's your password? Because the only things they know how to ask. Just yeah. be a bit more forgiving that they're, asking, they're, 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 they're dipping their toes into water they don't know about. What you should be is their independent driving expert and just give them honest-to-goodness advice and help and guidance. Because that could generate you over a thousand pounds worth of work, but if you're just dismissive, well, you're not going to get that work. Are you? Exactly. And I always say to people, be careful what you're posting on Facebook. You could be berating somebody who's got triplets that turn seventeen next week. <laughs> exactly. And for me, that it's just having that conversation with someone, not being afraid to give up a few minutes of your time to have a conversation. Even if that person doesn't come with you, you may have just helped someone, and that's right. always a good thing. And I just think, you know, little things like, is it okay if I ask you a few questions before we go any further? What's wrong with that text message or that, yeah, that part of the conversation? Absolutely. You know, or invariably you know, those messages come in when you haven't got time to answer them. There's nothing wrong with sending back saying, look, I'm just about to do this. I haven't got time now, but when's a convenient time to ring you back? 
Exactly. And spend the time you're investing in those people and they appreciate it. They appreciate that sort of stuff. And today's generation more and more is becoming uh, more text reliant than phone call yeah. reliant. Yeah. I am. I much prefer having uh, text conversations and phone conversations. I you appreciate text, that. You get text messages now inquiring if it's okay to ring. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> What's that all about? <laughs> um, but, I mean, it sounds weird because I record these every week, you know, and these are essentially yeah. <laughs> a, a, a conversation. But I like doing stuff on my own time, and if you're texting, you don't have to reply immediately. But, you know, I suppose if you are the instructor that doesn't want to text and wants to converse, then that's fine as well, but you need to make that be known. It's not wrong and, that and, someone and wants to text. An, create an autoresponder on your text messages. Yeah. I'm not, normally I don't answer texts because I'm probably driving or I'm delivering a lesson. Um, you know, I've got your details now. I'll come back to you. I, or I always respond to these within 24 hours, 48 hours, whatever it happens. And people go, oh, okay. Because if they haven't got that, they'll just text the next person. And then this is something the instructors get annoyed about when they ring the person. So I've got an instructor. Well, because yeah, you know there was no a lot of instructors don't have voicemail. How can you, how can you have that where there's no voicemail? You can't leave a message. Well, you never know how much work you're losing. Exactly, um, and I think the last one I'm going to mention is an example. Now, this is a bit more long-winded. Uh, it's more time-consuming. It's not for everyone, but this is something I really enjoy doing, and I haven't done for a while. I need to get back to swing off. I used to do a live in my Facebook group for my students every week. Every Tuesday, I'd go live. They'd send some questions in before and they'd come in and talk to me. And do you know what? It was just fun. It wasn't like um, like overly formal. We'd just have a bit of, I'd, I'd answer the questions, but it would be fun as well. And the, the best thing I did from it was after every one, I, I'd download it and I would edit that video. So often this might go on for 45, 50 minutes, this, this live. I would edit that video into 60 seconds mm. and I'd put it on Facebook and I'd call it a short drive. In fact, as we recall this day, I put one out today. Uh, I shared an old one out today. They used to get me the most custom ever because people would see me just acting like a daft swat, but still <laughs> dropping a little bit of knowledge. Yeah. And yeah. I want to go. I want to go get top. I mean, he looks interesting. And yes, it was a bit time consuming. I get that. I'm not for everyone, but it was just fun, enjoyable. It shows you as a person, and as soon as you show you as a person, you will attract more of the people you enjoy working with. That, yeah, that's a good point that you make. That, that you know, if you're going to attract people that you're going to find easier to work with, then it's not work anymore. It's, it becomes something that's a bit enjoyable, and you happen to be getting paid for it. And I think again, it goes back to the list thing, doesn't it? What is it you want? What sort of people would you rather, you know? Do you like the academic type? Do you like the you know? Do you do you want to specialize in, in certain types and ranges of people? Um, and then review it a bit and show this work. And so that works for you. It might not work for somebody else. But I don't think we should ever, especially in, in, in our early days when we're establishing the business, never be scared to experiment. You know, as long as you're not stood on a street corner naked with a sign saying "Get it here," <laughs> you're probably going to be all right. <laughs> oh God, getting where? Getting where? <laughs> um, but no, I mean, I was just again, my example again. I talk openly on my personal page and my driving school page about the nationalities of the students I've taught. I used to keep a tracker, like how many different nationalities I've taught, because, I, and I didn't do it for this reason, but that puts people at ease. You know, if you're not from this country and you see that, you know, oh, well, I can go to Terry. 
is is not judging me. There's there's the LGBTQ plus stuff plastered all over my pages. Well, again, that's there to say, look, you can come here. I'm non-judgmental. It's fine. Well, it's it's interesting that that from the it was from an episode of a podcast that I hadn't realised how woefully ill-informed I was about that community. Uh, so I did the course that, that was running, and I just I found it incredibly interesting. And I think you know to begin with was that a big thing sparked off, wasn't it? Lee Sperry put the thing on about you know pronouns, and it was like Ooh. I thought, well, what's that all about? You don't need to do that. You don't need to do that. But it's appreciated by people who look for that kind of thing or who refer to themselves in different ways. It's just, you're just, it's just customer service, isn't it? You know, you're finding stuff out about people. And I hadn't realized how important that was to people in that community. You think, oh, I've missed a trick there. You know, I'm, I'm perhaps unknowingly offending someone every time I open my mouth. So once you know about it, you think, oh, so it's knowing you, you've got to know yourself before you can be good, but you've also got to know who your customers are. What do your customers want? You know, because if you're providing something else, you're not going to last very long. Yeah. I mean, I had a conversation with one of the guests on the show, uh, Robin Jacoby. Uh, yeah, they came on with uh, G and Chris to talk about that that course you mentioned. Um, but previously started, I had a chat with Robin, and, and they said something that really clicked for me. They said they were walking through town and they saw a cafe with an LGBTQ plus friendly sticker in the window and they went in. And the reason they went in is because they knew they were then safe in there. Whereas everywhere else, they didn't know because there's a chance because they've been discriminated against their entire lives and they've you know, been verbally and physically attacked that there's a chance that might happen again, but at least they know they're safe here. Yeah. So... No one's saying that you have to put this stuff up, but it just shows that what you do, and if you are so, and this isn't meant as a criticism, if you are someone that's homophobic, well, maybe be homophobic online because then those people know not to come to you and you're not going to get those people coming to you. And then everyone sees that, that you are homophobic and we can all just stay away. I think there might be laws against that letter. <laughs> yeah, actually, yeah, scrap that. Don't do anything like that and say, yeah, but Terry said... Terry yeah. said I could. Well, it's actually just describing Yorkshire. <laughs> All right, there's a line, Bob. There's a line. Uh, bob. Right. <laughs> we can go so far. Um, anyway, let's move on from that before I say something else. Uh, let's move on to what Graham Hooper said, because this kind of ties into what Ellis was saying before, because he said the point about, and kind of paraphrasing what he said a little bit uh, to, to make it fit, which... The potential PDIs should be asking to see their prospective course materials and course structures of uh, trainers or companies that they're going into. So we did kind of touch on this a bit with Ellis, but is that something you would agree with as well? Well, it's it's a tricky one in terms of looking at training materials because there are some things that are internal to an organisation that that organisation might not want, you know, broadcast publicly. But I think... And I'm sure Graham would be happy to do this. You know, an investigation of what it is that they do and how they're going to do it, and what can be expected from it. Any reputable company should be happy to discuss and should be happy to let you speak to people who trained with them. Some places will say, "Yes, yeah, this is the material you're going to get," but remember that's stuff that they charge money for, so they might not really want you to see an awful lot of it. But then there's a it's a difficulty then, isn't it? You know, well, what am I spending my money on? So then I would refer you to say, well. 
let me speak to people that have trained with you. Let me speak to people that are qualified. Can I speak to some people that have left your organization? Um, this is an area where LDC always did really well, you know, ex-LDC instructors still recommend LDC because of the journey that they've had. It just became time for them to go on their own. Um, you know, we always have a policy of trying to part with people on good terms because you never know when you're going to need each other again. Yeah. So, you know, it's, and, and again, the, the thing before with the, there's the, there's the, the two things that you know, don't go with a big company. Well, I've tried coaching our, now a big company. Um, does being a big company make them bad people? No, not at all. Does making, being a big company make them bad trainers? No. Does it make them good trainers? No. Yeah. <laughs> Their reputation, you know, precedes them. So I just speak to people who train with them. Online, they get a pretty good press, I think. They get a pretty good press. Ignore the stuff. Where, I mean, Graham's had one or two issues with one or two people. But that's the world of Facebook. You know, and those people that have been upset with him or anybody else on, on Facebook tend to become very, very vocal. But, you know, check for yourself. Make your own mind up. Don't part with any money unless you're absolutely sure. Yeah. And if there's any doubt in your mind. I think if you can get a look at the course structure and the course materials or what you can see of the course materials from a few different places, it might be that they're all really good, but you can choose the one that suits you the best. Yeah. That's right. It's something you were talking to, to, to Lee and Mike about yesterday, wasn't it? You know, just you might just be a bad fit, you know, with your own personal trainer. That's one of the, the advantages that they'll have, isn't it? Because let's say you had a personality clash with one of them, you're unlikely to fall out with them both, so you'd be able to switch. So that's one of the big pluses of being with a larger company, that there is more than one trainer. Where if you're with a local independent, you know, then maybe you haven't got that sort of flexibility. And the way that I get around it when I'm training, you know, stuff around it, I just say, if you don't think it was worth it, I'll give you your money back. It's that simple. That simple. Um, you know, a lot of people elect to train for pay as you go. That's fine. And I asked the question at the end of the session, was that worth the money? If you think it's no, all I ask you is that, well, tell me why you didn't think it was worthwhile. I'm going to give you your money back without question, but I want to know why so that I can improve my service offering. This is something we're dreadful at in this industry. The one thing that you need to learn is that people who complain are offering you a chance to improve your service offering. So welcome it. It's a, again, it's a kick in the nuts to begin with, but you'll learn something from it if you go into it looking to learn. Interestingly, that's the approach I take with the, the learners. I don't advertise it. I used to advertise it, but I stopped advertising now. I just tell them on the first lesson, if at the end of this lesson you're you're not happy with what I've done either because you don't think I've done a good job or we just don't get along. Tell me, you have your money back. You can go off on your way. And I think that actually then puts them more at ease because they can see you're not just after trying to rip them off for money. You're actually trying to provide a good service. But but yeah, I think we covered a lot of that uh, when we were covering Ellis's point anyway. But well, I'll come on to my, uh, my favourite comment of the entire thing, which was by Paul Kerr, which is, don't put your diary on the roof of the car. <laughs> We've all done it. Um, or your mobile phone. <laughs> now, I read that and I genuinely laughed out loud because um, I can't decide whether that's like an admission of guilt <laughs> or whether he's listened to the episode I did with Dan Hill. <laughs> and I'll just talk about it on there and it's a reference back to that. But yes, that would be my top tip of everyone else. Don't put anything on the roof of your car because you can guarantee you're going to drive off and that's going to be on top. And next thing you see is coffee pouring down your back window. <laughs> that's right. Well, I think the, the, the take-home message from that is that, you know, if you think 
you're going to get into this and you're going to do it without making mistakes, you are very, very sadly wrong. The nice thing is, though, you can learn from them. You know, and it's join an instructor association or get a group of friends together who are ADIs and learn from each other's mistakes. You know, they, they say, don't they, that a smart man learns from his mistakes. A genius learns from everybody's mistakes. So it's it's just be aware that you are going to make mistakes. That there's no two ways about it. Um, that's just the way things work because you're getting into something new. Just learn from it. You might have some nice little anecdotes as a result of it. Yes. Um, yeah, that's so- why I got to do what I did at LDC because I've made all the mistakes. <laughs> all of them. No comment. Um, <laughs> all right. So we then come up to Chris Bensford. And so far, everyone has made one point. So obviously, Chris makes two. First point, he said, uh, reread your posts before hitting send, which <laughs> I think is very valid, uh, especially for me, because often there are huge glaring typos and context isn't always given in my posts. And uh, yes, I, I would concur with that. Although with me, I do reread my posts. It's just generally don't reread them properly. <laughs> <laughs> well, once you've written it, it, it's not good to proofread your own work. And the, the, the other thing, I think possibly most important, don't go on Facebook when you're pissed. <laughs> yes, I learned that the hard way. Um, <laughs> you and me both. But uh, amusingly, I did then manage to correct him on his comment because he'd made a mistake in it, which is brilliant. Uh, anyways, point B, uh, you are a business buying from a business. There is no consumer protection. All bets are off. Read the small print, plan for, plan for the worst, and join the DITC. So I think kind of the first bit of what we've said there, we've covered a lot, but I, I want to touch on plan for the worst and joining the DITC. Planning for the worst, I think, is massive, and I think that covers joining the DITC. You join the DITC, join an association, you are planning for the worst by doing that. Yeah. Well, it's, I mean, you know, the DITC don't see themselves as, a, as an instructor association. Um, Chris was talking about it the other day, wasn't he, saying he was, they were middlemen. And that's exactly right. They're a place for a source of information and guidance. Um, and well, you and I are both members of the DITC. So, you know, for that very reason, I think it's a very worthwhile uh, organisation, and there's some great stuff in there. But it's, it's don't be on your own because you can feel very lonely in this job. Um, and, you know, you'll see other people that will post mistakes that they've made. Um, and you'll get lots of different viewpoints. And I think it's always worthwhile just thinking, well, you know, and stopping yourself every once, stopping every once in a while. And while you're looking at your list, thinking, well, if I was starting this again, is this what I would do? If I was reinventing it, is this the way I would do it? And if not, what can you do to turn it into what you want? So it's constant review. Plans, the plans are going to have to change all the time. Just keep changing the plans. And something you mentioned before about, you know, what when there's the next recession, because there will be. It might not necessarily be there's a recession. The next thing will be the drop in demand. Yeah. Uh, we will come to a recession at some point, but before that, there will be the, 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 the lesson demand dropping. So it's planning for that. Yeah. It's planning for when lesson demand drops. It's planning for a recession. And I mentioned this a few times recently, but we – all should still be advertising. And by advertising, I don't mean paying for it, so maybe call it marketing. We should all be marketing now so that, I mean, I watch what you do, for example, and you do it. You know, you're not like in everyone's faces, but with the clients that are learning, which I highly recommend, by the way, go check it out. If you are signing up to it, um, sign up to ensure the podcast premium first and you get £10 off it. So there you go. Um, but you talk about that. It's something you talk about. You're, you're marketing that by coming on here. 
you're not coming on to talk about, but it, you are marketing yourself because by coming on, you are giving a really good impression to people, hopefully. And yeah, so and people will see that. They will go and check you out. They will see the links on the website and all this kind of stuff. So just by doing stuff, whether it's talking about what you're doing, whether it's going on social media, whether it's appearing on podcasts like this, whether it's coming on uh, the on the uh, ADI book club that I do, the Sammy Taylor and Lee Jowett and Emma Cottington on, on the, the grumpy old man that's coming on next, um, you know, <laughs> whether they come on it. It's it's that stuff. So those, they're not like outlandishly shoving it down people's throats, but you are making yourself known. And you can do that to learners as well by doing a live every week, editing it down into a six-second video. And guess what? I've got loads of them spun out now, so I can still release them. And I look slimmer from when I did it at those times as well, which is even better. <laughs> so planning for the worst, you can do stuff now that is simple that is going to help you in the long run. You can. Well, there's a couple of things that come from that. You should do your marketing when you haven't got time to do it. Um, and you should get, at the earliest opportunity, three months' worth of living money in the bank. Now, if we look at COVID, when that, that, that debacle that was, that was 2019, 2020. Um, if you'd had three months living money in the bank during the first series of lockdowns, because your costs were massively reduced, because you weren't spending on fuel and, and you know, other, other bits and pieces, and some franchises you know, gave reductions and some gave free weeks and stuff. If you'd had three months money in the bank, you would have survived their okay. But the ones who didn't have that money in the bank really, really struggled. And it's the advice I always used to give the first guys at the earliest opportunity, three months worth of living money. And by that, I mean what it costs to run your business, your beer, your fags, your pizzas. Three months worth of that in the bank will see you through most things. If it's going to take you over three months, then it's pretty serious. So, you know, you're not going to be that worried about it anyway, but three months worth of money in the bank. Um, and the other thing, you've got to have the money when the tax man says they want it. And the amount of instructors I used to talk to, oh, I've got my tax bill and I can't afford it. You can't afford not to pay it because they'll just come and take your stuff. This is your inland revenue. They won't mess about. They won't mess about. They've got more power than any other organization. They can just come and kick your front door in and take all your stuff. Don't need warrants, don't need any of that. They just come take it. So don't mess with them. You, you know, you're, you're self-employed now. So you have to put money to one side for tax. You're only going to pay probably 10% of what you turn over. So there's loads of savings you can make, but. It's important that you have these 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 strategies in place and contingencies for these things. Yeah. Um, on, on that pleasant note, <laughs> we'll, we'll move on. Said that, though, if you're thinking of becoming an ADI, do it. It's a fantastic job. If you have 10% of the fun I've had in the last 33 years, you're going to have a fantastic time. Um, yes. So let's move on to these last few. Now, some of these are a little bit more, and I mean this not in an unpleasant way, long-winded. So I'm going to paraphrase some of these slightly. So I am going to run through San Harpers, uh, and I will let you comment on San Harpers. Uh, and just a quick note, uh, make sure you go and check out San Harpers episode of this podcast, because it's yes. lovely and really gives you a, a meditation exercise at the end of it, which is cool. So San says, uh, the advice you give to anyone starting out, take the breaks your mind and body need. Set clear boundaries about what works for you and what doesn't, because resentment makes people bitter. Yeah. Don't take yourself too seriously. Don't take others too personally and always listen to Terry's podcasts. Sound advice. <laughs> yeah. And I, I concur 100%. Especially the last one. Absolutely. 
Um, and, and add Decapod to your podcast list. <laughs> yes, uh, check out Decapod, but don't hold it against me. Um, mm-hmm. I agree with all that, and we have touched on a lot of that stuff as we've gone through, but I think it's right. It's, it's You know, when you go online and you see people talking and people responding to you, it's hard to take that in context. It is. Mm-hmm. And some of it is obviously meant a certain way, but not always. You know, you don't know what's going through that person's brain when they type that thing. They could have just been given the world's worst news. So it will never hurt you when you read something and you think, ooh, ooh, it'll never hurt you to just go and make a cup of tea before you respond. It'll never hurt. Never. And you'll still remember it when you come back and reread it. You might think a different way about it. Never respond in anger. I said Billy Connolly always used to say, you should never slap a child in anger. It should really have calmed down and given a good <laughs> But it's just never respond in anger or in the moment because they might not have meant what you think they meant. You know, the, the written word, there's no inflection, there's no facial expression, you know, and it's a smiley, winky face at the end doesn't always, you know, reach the reader. They're already enraged and angry before they get to the winky, smiley face. So just think about what you're posting. How would I read this? But you don't have to respond straight away. Exactly. You know, it's not a conversation in a pub. It would take three days to respond it doesn't matter and it'll never hurt you to wait a little bit i mean i'm i'm sometimes i'll respond to a comment or I'll comment on someone's post and i'll go back an hour later and i'll read it. i think oh did that that sound the way i meant it to sound and and you know a lot of the time people don't take offense but well there's a couple of reasons for taking the little break one it means that you're not going to respond too quick and maybe you know respond in a way that wasn't required and two, if it was required, you go away, you can come up with a much wittier response if you've had time to think about it. If you really do want to, you know, get in somebody's ribs and put them in, it can be really slick. Yeah. And I mean, come across like Mark Twain. Uh, well, you make your Mark Twain reference. I'm going to make a slightly different one, um, <laughs> which is because you never know how people are going to respond. You never know what's going on behind the face, behind the facade, because I could make now an innocent joke about someone's hairline and they could march up towards me and give me a right good slap because you never know what's going on behind that, you know, in that person's life behind closed doors. It doesn't mean my hairline, by the way, boys and girls. No, uh, Jada. Pinkett Smith, I think her name is. Either way, let's move on. Okay, so this next one by uh, Sammy Taylor. There's quite a lot in this, so I'm going to paraphrase it slightly, or massively even. Hello, Sammy. But I'm going to read the first bit in full, actually, because she's put, get the best training first by using a tri-coaching instructor uh, with a trainer near you who will nurture you and train you to the standards for delivering a great lesson. Now, I'm going to jump in on this, actually, because... That kind of goes back to what we were talking about before, because we were saying that just because you go of a big franchise versus a local franchise doesn't mean that that's good or bad. Now, try coaching, and probably, and I could be wrong on this, but I think the biggest sort of coaching training platform for instructors out there. So if we're using the premise that a lot of people do, which is, you know, don't go with red because red are crap, go with a local, then, you know, people could take that same approach to try coaching. And, and that's clearly not true. So we well, can't say, yeah, I think it, it, it goes back to do your research. Yeah. You know, even, even if somebody recommends somewhere, you know, I, I always say to people, you know, question everything that you're told. And I include what I say in that. Cause if it's the right message, it'll stand up to question it. If there's a bit of school duggery afoot, it won't. Exactly. And try coaching, do some awesome stuff. And yeah, yeah. they're going to be great for a lot of people. But like we were saying before, Ask to see that, 
that material as to see the, the the structure. And you might find it's perfect for you, or you might find that this person over here is more suitable for you. Whatever the reason, I think that it's just finding the right thing. And we've kind of touched on that already. So a couple of things that Sammy said that I do want to touch on. Uh, and I, I've, I'm a big believer in this one as well from my own personal good and bad experience, which is don't work too many hours on a pink license as you will benefit from plenty of reflection. Absolutely. She's absolutely spot on. It's one of the biggest problems I've come across with, with PDIs is the sign up on a training license and then it becomes about chasing the money. Training becomes secondary and that's a huge mistake. The, the training license that, that that pink badge is designed to give you experience. It's a happy coincidence that you earn money from it. But if you sign up, you know, on a six months license, you've got franchise fees to pay, you've got the car to pay for, you've got insurance to pay for, you've got fuel to pay for. So ne by necessity, you're chasing money. And that becomes your prime objective if you're not careful. So it's really important. I would say you should limit yourself to 20, 25 hours maximum on a training license. Yeah. Um, one thing I will say before I just move on a little bit is um, if you want to read these comments, because the, the next few are quite, there's a lot of information in them, so I am going to paraphrase them a little bit. Uh, join the, the, the group, by all means, uh, the Instructor Podcast group. But if you sign up to it, make sure you answer the free questions to join or you won't get accepted. Um, if you can't bother answering free questions, so you won't. with the driving instructor surgery. I'm chasing loads of people around who haven't answered the membership question. <laughs> yeah. It's simple. Are you an ADI or training to be one? The answer is yes or no. <laughs> Um, it's a difficult question, Bob. Um, <laughs> so I just want to touch on the last couple of bits that Sammy said on her piece, which was coming to this with an open mind to everyone you meet. I just think that's lovely. I think, yeah, don't make judgments. Don't judge people on their appearance or their background. Just come in with an open mind. Um, she also says, keep training, and I like this as well, keep training even if you get the top score as it's worth it for yourself and your customers. And I think that's good because just because you got a top score, so I'm presuming you mean standard check, so 51 out of 51 one day doesn't mean you would necessarily get it the next day. Right. So just by making that more consistent, I think is always going to be a good thing. And then the last thing, really nice, um, be kind and treat people how you want to be treated because even the well, jolliest I, people might be hiding a multitude of emotional pain. That's right. It's... It's it's interesting from from you know the the, the last comments there from from Sammy because and you know I think she was subject herself to a bit of bitterness and resentment because who's this new person you know just no matter how new you are if you're good enough you're good enough um, and so she was subjected to a bit of a bit of uh, vitriol I think from from several quarters so she's right you know try and see the good in everybody but learn to recognise if somebody really is a dick. <laughs> and block them and don't engage with them. You can't educate pork. <laughs> you can't educate, right, okay. Anyway. Well, my mate Carl is a great one on that one. So you can lead a horse to water, you just can't stop it being a dick. <laughs> Gareth Merchant. <laughs> uh, yeah, so Gareth Merchant says, and again, I'm paraphrasing a little bit here, uh, but approach... Approach it as a business startup. Yeah. Do your research. Try to approach people initially for their advice. In fact, I'm not doing this paraphrase. I'm reading it all. Um, try to reach out to people initially for advice other than just those who you're paying to train you. Don't oh. believe the promises of another business just because they have a national identity or promises to look wonderful. 
If you're becoming a driving instructor because you like driving, best consider an alternative career in the haulage or commercial delivery sector. And he wishes had been told that you cannot take personal responsibility for everything your clients do when matters go awry and that they do. It took me years to recognize if something isn't right, for whatever reason, it is better to both the client and the instructor to part a company not consider yourself a failure because it happened. I think that's all sound advice, and it's, but it's just, you know, stuff will happen, you know, because it's life, stuff happens, and learner drivers will sometimes do crazy stuff, and whilst sometimes that is your responsibility, it isn't always. Um, and, you know, you've got to learn to forgive yourself, and you will make mistakes, and some of the things that the learners get wrong will be because of you. Just learn to forgive yourself and learn not to make the same mistake the second time. Yeah. And again, I, I do think we've touched a lot on that, but I think Gareth actually put it quite well there. And buyer beware. That's that's that's, that's it. Buyer <laughs> yeah, beware. Definitely. And the the last comment or the last yeah the last comment was by Angela Hazel, and I kind of joked about uh, the uh, the diary on top of the car being my favorite, but I think this one is out of them all because I like the the starting sentence to it. How do you know what you need to know? If you don't know it, uh, it says we all hear big company, little company, terrible, great, etc. But I knew nothing about being instructor, so just read things and hoped I made the correct choice. I interviewed several schools to do my pink with, to do my pink with, even though my training was national. Now I'm an independent trainer, so people don't experience what I did. I thought she's just summed up in one comment there. What was taking us over an hour to say? Well done, Angela. <laughs> it's you know the the reality is somebody will pay two and a half grand for a training course with very little research. But if you're thinking of booking a holiday, you'll spend two days on TripAdvisor before you go, and you're only going to spend a 1000 there. So do your research. Make sure what you're buying into is what it seems to be. If you can't satisfy yourself, then perhaps think about doing it, you know, pay as you train. Ask, can can you observe some training? I mean, that's a little tricky, you know, because you've got to get the trainees to agree to it and stuff. But Again, buyer beware. Make sure you've thoroughly researched. Make sure it is the job that's right for you. So you need to learn about the bad as well as the good, because it's not all sunshine and roses. No. Um, and I think you're right, and I think you make a good point there about people investing in it, because you think about when they first invest in it, like you say, two and a half grand or, or whatever they do, but then they'll you'll hear those same people complaining about paying for a, a standards check training course or the client set of learning, um, you know, subscription or whatever it is, they'll happily go for all this money to get into it, but then they won't pay the, the the smaller amount. Or or even when they've got that standards check coming up, they'll happily then go and pay a load of money to, to do like a, almost like a crash course to get ready for it. But they'll be reluctant to pay 10 quid a month to get a load of content from the Instructor Podcast Premium or, yeah. or whatever, you know, CPD you want to insert into that conversation. And I think that's, that's interesting as well, just the fact that you will do it in some areas. Uh, like you said, you'll research for a holiday, but you won't research for what you're actually going to spend the rest of your life potentially doing. Yeah, that's right. That's right. So it's 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 important to, to spend that extra time. And, you know, if that delays your training by a week, a fortnight, does that really matter in the grand scheme of things? You know, yeah. make sure, you know, don't be rushed into stuff because I don't think there's as much of it now as there used to be, but there used to be a lot of pressure selling, you know, where they'd, They'd say, oh, well, okay, I think you're just the kind of guy that we need. I'm going to get the, the, the regional manager to take you out for a drive. And they say, oh, you're just the sort of fellow we want sign here. There's a lot, a lot less of that goes on now, but there is still some fairly high-pressure selling. And any special offer that they've offered you, you will be able to get that special offer again. That's just how it works. 
<laughs> nothing annoys me more than and I, I I did this once and I never forgave myself for Black Friday or, or a special offer when it is actually a special offer. So I will buy a product today that's a thousand pound and then tomorrow they'll put it on offer for five hundred. Yeah. That, that nothing annoys me more than that. <laughs> I've just been, I, I feel like I've been ripped off. I haven't, they've done nothing wrong, but I, I've, I don't know. It just, some of that annoys me. If I'd waited a day, I'd so, say, so, 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 like that. I bought a TV and I researched it massively. And that was the TV that I wanted. And I sorted it at what I thought was a fantastic price. And one of the IT guys at LDC found it 20 quid cheaper the next day and came <laughs> to show me. And I just wanted to punch him in the face. <laughs> you see. How's that useful to me now? <laughs> but no, it, it is important that you, that you do proper research. And if you're not 100% sure, just hold back, hold back. You know, yeah. there's, there's lots of different training organizations, lots of different trainers. Just because somebody's with a great training company doesn't make them a great trainer. And just because somebody's a great trainer, it doesn't make the company a great training company. So it's research thoroughly. Yeah. You know, make sure you know what you're about and that, what, you're, what you're signing up for. Any reputable company will happily help you do your research. Yeah. And and on the flip side of that, be open yourself. So uh, yeah. as my example with that is my learners. Uh, I'm not planning to, but if, for example, I was putting my price up in July, I would start telling them in sort of May time and just say, look, if you want to pay for a block of hours before then, you, you can. I'm not trying to rip anyone off. My prices are going up. If you want to pay for anything before then, you'll get them now at the current price. Yeah. But if you can't, then they'll be going up in July. So there's there's nothing wrong with being honest and upfront with people. But um, yeah, I, I initially just want to sort of thank everyone that's commented there. I got quite a lot of comments. There's some good stuff there. Some good stuff. I can make a book out of that. <laughs> you know, you're um, on your own book club. Yeah, there you go. I want to come and interview me, Bob. We'll do me. There you go. Uh, we'll do that. Yeah. I'll do a PDF on this. Uh, but yeah, I appreciate everyone that, that's commented there. Uh, is there anything that? On top of that, that you would like to add, any advice that you would like to give to anyone that's even maybe just started or, or just coming into the industry? It's better to be over-informed than under-informed, I think, on anything. Yeah. Better to I, know more than you need rather than less. Yep. Um, I think we've covered a lot there. I think the only other thing, and we, we kind of said this, I think, a little bit, but don't be afraid to make mistakes. So whether that's in terms of what you're doing with your student. Yeah. Like you said, you make the same mistake again, then you're okay. Yeah. Although I've made the same mistake plenty of times. (laughs) So, um, (laughs) you know, there's a reason why I've been engaged three times. So um, that's different. Yeah. Um, But yeah, so whether it's on on the lesson, whether it's around something you do on social media, like you said, it's experimenting. So you're experimenting, you and it goes wrong, great. You know what to not to do next time. As long as that mistake isn't being ridiculously offensive or, or anything illegal, yeah. that's like you said, that's yeah. a little bit different. But but yeah, so we'll we'll leave that there then. Uh, I'm going to just take a, a quick moment to uh, to thank you for joining me, Bob. Uh, really, always a pleasure. It. Never a chore. I, I did give you a little shout out earlier, but do you want to tell people where they can find you and what amazing things you have to offer? <laughs> Clientcenteredlearning.co.uk. Um, that's where you can find everything that I do. Um, if you join my membership scheme, you get access to everything that I do online. Uh, I'm running online Zoom um, standards check stuff. And my ebook is up there as well. Just go to clientcenteredlearning.co.uk. You'll find anything there. If you've got any questions, just drop me an email, bob at 
clients on learning.co.uk. Yep. Uh, everyone that knows <laughs> everyone that knows me knows I endorse that and have done for, for many a, a year almost now. Mm. Um Obviously, with the Instructor Podcast, make sure you go and uh, check out the instructorpodcast.com. That's the website. You can find everything you need to find over there, including all the premium content. But yeah, really appreciate you joining me, Bob, on this anniversary episode of the podcast. One it's year. Great. It's exciting that it's been a year. It's been great. And it's been fun. I've, I've listened to every episode. Some I've listened to more than once. Um, <laughs> oh, so that's you. That's you, is it? <laughs> you keep listening to my own. No, no, no. My missus would be like, I've heard enough of you. <laughs> No, there's been some fantastic content on there, from, particularly from non-ADIs. I think there's been some real insight there, particularly in the early ones where we, there was more, a lot of focus on more on mental health because we were still at the back end of the nonsense that was, you know, the industry trying to find its way through COVID. Long may it continue. Uh, we'll pencil it in for the diary in, in 2023 then, the second anniversary episode. I'll make a note of it then. And we'll do, uh, what will you say to anyone that's been in the industry for 10 years? We'll make it that episode. <laughs> yeah. Couldn't find anything better, huh? <laughs> yeah. All right. Cheers for your time today, Bob. You're most welcome. So big thanks to Bob Martin and a big thank you to everyone that contributed with their suggestions in the Facebook group. Really appreciate Bob's time and really appreciate all those lovely folk suggestions as well. Just before I give you my tip, I'm going to just say one more thank you because I've really, really enjoyed doing this podcast. It's one of my favourite things. I get a lot of great feedback from it, but above everything else, I just enjoy doing it. So if you've taken the time to listen... Uh, if you've taken the time to share it, if you've been a guest on the show, if you've given me any feedback, really appreciate it. Genuinely, it is appreciated. Thank you. But it is time for another Terry's tip. And today it is a recommendation. Now, it's a book and it may be a book that a lot of you have read because it has been out for a little while. But I'm going to mention it again. It's Who's in the Driver's Seat by Jed and Claire Wilmot. Now, this was the book that initially got me sort of really thinking about what client-centered learning was. I can remember being, I don't want to give you too bad of an image, but I can remember being sat in the bath reading this book. And it just made me rethink what client-centered learning was. And I would recommend it to anyone. Um... And I would recommend it to anyone that is maybe struggling with that a little bit and is looking for a bit of an introduction rather than diving straight into a course or anything like that. This is just a, a great way to introduce yourself and maybe just reframe some of those ideas you might have about, you know, what clients are learning is or what coaching is. I just think it's a brilliant book for that. So, yeah, Who's in the Driver's Seat by Jed and Claire Wilmot is my recommendation for today. And uh, on that note, I'm going to leave you, and I hope you have a very, very excellent day. The Instructor Podcast with Terry Cook, talking with leaders, innovators, experts and game changers about what drives them.